قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ Say, have you considered مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ That which Allah has sent down for you of provision. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down for you so much provision. And even if something comes from the earth, meaning grows from the earth, if you think about it, it is a result of what? Water coming down from the sky. So think about all that provision which Allah has given you. And what have you done? فَجَعَلْتُمْ So you have made minhu from it haraman, forbidden, وَحَلَالًا and permissible. Meaning, you out of your own accord, out of your own will, what have you done? Parts of risk, parts of provision, some kinds of provision, you declare to be unlawful, and other parts, you declare them to be lawful. What's your evidence? قُلْ say, Allahu Has Allah أَذِنَ لَكُمْ permitted for you? أَمْ or عَلَى اللَّهِ upon Allah تَفْتَرُونَ Do you all fabricate? Or is it a lie that you're inventing about Allah? Now you know that the mushrikeen of Arabia, what had they done? Certain animals which were halal for them to consume, what did they do? They dedicated them to their idols, to their saints, and they were known as Bahira, Sa'iba, Sam, and we have read the details of this earlier. Alright? And basically these animals which were completely halal, they declared them to be haram for themselves. Likewise, certain produce, what would they do? They would dedicate it to their idols and render it haram for themselves, impermissible for themselves to eat. Parts of it, they would make it impermissible for their women to eat. And it was permissible for who? For their men, right? So they had made up all of these laws concerning halal and haram. What does Allah say over here? Did Allah allow you to do that? Did Allah give us the permission to declare anything halal that we want and anything haram that we want? Has He given us that authority? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not even give that authority to the Prophet When the Prophet made something that was halal, haram upon himself just to please his wives, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not allow that. Right? He did not allow him to do that. Because the matter of halal, haram is only with who? Allah. Why? Because Allah lahu al-khalqu wal-amr. To him belongs the matter of creation as well as the command. Meaning he is the owner, the creator, and he is also the legislator. He creates and he is the one who decides what should be permissible and what should not be permissible. وَمَا and what is ظَنُّ The assumption of who? الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ Those people who fabricate lies about Allah. Those people who fabricate lies about Allah whether it is in the matter of halal, haram, or it is in the matter of partners that they've associated with Allah, that Allah has a child, any kind of lie about Allah. Those people who lie about Allah, what do they think? وَمَا ظَنُّوا What do they think? What is going to happen with them? يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the day of judgment. If you think about it, so many people speak about God on behalf of God, as if they are God. Literally they do that. They declare everything to be okay, or everything to be wrong. They think they are right, everybody else is wrong. What Allah has revealed, what He has legislated, His kalam, they completely ignore that. And they go on saying whatever they want about the Day of Judgment, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about the matters of halal, haram, according to their own whims. And they speak as though they are speaking on behalf of God. Allah says over here, what do they think? What's going to happen to them? 
how do you think they will be treated? Think about it. If someone speaks about you, on behalf of you, something that is completely wrong, something that is completely incorrect, hmm? and then they come in front of you, and they know what they've done, and you know what they've done, what are you going to do? Just smile at them. What are you going to do? Many people, they will just go forward and just give a big slap. How dare you say this about me? How dare you say this? Who gave you the right? Who are you to do this to me? Who are you to say this to me? We take revenge immediately. And we are people. And how much revenge can we take? Really, how much revenge can we take? Hardly anything. So Allah says over here that وَمَا ظَنُّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And right now, they are busy lying on the Day of Judgment. What are they going to see? And what are they going to think? إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَذُوا فَضْلٍ عَلَى النَّاسِ Indeed, Allah, surely He is full of bounty. Meaning He shows a lot of fadl. He shows a lot of grace. Many favors. To who? عَلَى النَّاسِ To all people. He shows a lot of kindness, a lot of generosity to all people. وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَشْكُرُونَ But most of them, they are not grateful. They do not appreciate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. They don't appreciate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. They don't appreciate His favors. They don't appreciate His commands. And they go on lying about Allah. They go on rejecting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what do you think is going to happen with them on the Day of Judgment? وَمَا تَكُونُ فِي شَأْنٍ And you are not in any شَأْن وَمَا تَكُونُ And تَكُونُ is singular, you are. And primarily it's referring to the Prophet ﷺ. But after him, every Samir, meaning every person who's listening. وَمَا تَكُونُ فِي شَأْنٍ And you are not in any شَأْن What does شَأْن mean? كُلَّ يَوْمٍ هُوَ فِي شَأْن What is شَأْن? It's from the root letters, Sheen, Hamza, Noon. And Sha'an is basically condition, situation, the state that a person is in. Alright? Now your condition, your situation is defined by what? By what you're doing. Alright? So for example, you are at your house. You are in your room. So what's your condition? What's your state? That you're in your room? No, your state is going to be defined by what you're doing in the room. So for example, you're sitting at your desk and you're studying. So what's your state? Studying. Or you are lying down in bed staring at the ceiling. What's your state? If somebody asks you, what are you doing? What are you going to say? Nothing. Nothing. Alright? Does it ever happen? Somebody asks you, what's up? And you say, nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. So even nothing is a sha'an. Sha'an could be, is basically what you're engaged in, what you're occupied with. It could be something useful, something terrible, something really nice, something that's a total waste of time, and even nothing is a sha'an. Okay? So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say over here? وَمَا تَكُونُ فِي شَأْنٍ And you are not engaged in any matter you are not in any situation, in any condition. وَمَا تَتْلُو And you do not recite minhu from it, meaning from your different sha'an, from the different situations, different conditions that you're in. In any of those conditions, you do not recite min قُرْآنٍ 
any portion of the Qur'an, meaning in any of your states, whether you're in the room, you're lying down, you're standing, you're walking, you're doing some physical work, whatever you're doing, while you're doing that, whatever portion of the Qur'an you recite. Whatever portion of the Qur'an you recite. Now think about it. There are many, many kind of shatan that we keep ourselves busy in. Right? Every moment we're engaged in some shatan or another. Sometimes we're just staring at the screen and sometimes we are typing away. Sometimes we're just reading and sometimes we are reading actively. Right? Sometimes we're reading but we don't understand what we're reading. We read a whole page and we're like, what was that? Go back again. Right? And sometimes what happens, every word is like lighting a light bulb in your head. So we're always engaged in something or the other. Now, some things that we're engaged in, they're good. And some states that we're engaged in, they're just useless or they're like normal. There's nothing fascinating about it. So for example, we're eating, we're drinking, we're looking, we're talking, we're sleeping. Out of all the different things that people do, what is mentioned over here? The recitation of the Qur'an. The recitation of the Qur'an. Why? Because it is one of the best things that a person can occupy himself with. It is one of the best things that a person can engage himself with. So, وَمَا تَتْلُو مِنْهُ مِنْ قُرْآنٍ And then it is general. وَلَا تَعْمَلُونَ مِنْ عَمَلٍ And you do not perform any amal, meaning any action that you do. The best is recitation of the Qur'an. And besides the recitation of the Qur'an, whatever action that you keep yourself busy in, whether it's just staring at nothing, or talking away, or backbiting, or eating continuously without any end, or just sleeping away without getting up from your bed, even though you don't need to sleep anymore. وَمَا تَعْمَلُونَ مِنْ عَمَلٍ What's going on? Allah says, إِلَّا except كُنَّا We are عَلَيْكُمْ upon you shuhudan Witnesses. Except that we are watching you. Now shuhud is plural, kunna is plural, and we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wahid al-ahad. Right? So why is plural mentioned over here for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Remember that whenever plural is used, first of all it's for royalty. To show the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this is how the Arabs also spoke. This was a known way of speaking that when someone respectable would speak, or when someone respectable would be mentioned, they wouldn't be mentioned in singular tense. Rather, they would be mentioned in the plural tense. So this is one reason why plural is used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another reason is that many things that are going on, in fact, everything that's going on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has appointed angels to it. Isn't it? So for example, yesterday you saw a lot of rain coming and going. You saw a lot of clouds you know, gliding literally in the sky. We actually went for a walk. And as soon as we got to the park, it just started pouring. And we're like, what do we do now? Because you're like in the middle of the park, and there's nothing nearby. The trees are not all leafy and dense that you could go and stand under it. And we didn't have an umbrella. So anyway, we're just stuck in that rain. And I'm just thinking, now what? I mean, you see the clouds coming and going so quickly. Who's doing that? Who's behind it? Angels. Right? Angels are doing it at whose command? At Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command. Right? So for example, the angel Mikael, he's appointed over the arzaq, over the provisions. 
right? And under him there are thousands and thousands of angels that are working. Now when it comes to us, when it comes to people, what we do, who is recording everything? The angels at whose command? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command. Who is noting our every movement, every action and recording it? Who's doing that? The angels. At whose command? At the command of Allah. So when it is mentioned over here, إِلَّا كُنَّا عَلَيْكُمْ شُهُودًا Except that we are witnesses over you. What does it mean? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has appointed angels to witness us and to record everything that we are doing and report to Him what's going on. Why? Does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not already know? Does He need to be informed? No, He already knows because He is As-Samir Al-Basir. Right? But this is the importance that Allah is giving to the actions of man when He has appointed angels to record them and report them. Do you understand? It shows the importance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving to the actions of people. How much they will be valued if they're good. And if they're bad, if they're useless, what a shame. What a shame. How embarrassing. What a waste. So primarily, what do we learn from this ayah? That no matter what task a person is engaged in, something good, something useless, and the best thing that a person could do, recitation of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching, His angels are witnessing, the angels are recording, and look at what is mentioned, إِذْ تُفِيضُونَ We are witnesses over you when you are tufiduna fi, when you are deeply engrossed, deeply immersed in it. Deeply immersed in what? In that action, in that task. Tufiduna is from the root letters fayadad, right? And it's basically to be when a person is engrossed in something, so much so that he completely forgets about anything. He forgets about everything basically. You know how like sometimes you're doing something, but what's going on in your head? What's going on in your head? A thousand things are going on in your head, right? You're thinking about your laundry, you're thinking about your homework, you're thinking about your assignment, you're thinking about what your friend said, you're thinking about what your professor said, you're thinking about what you saw at the park, you're thinking about why that person was looking at you in a strange way, right? One thing after the other keeps coming in your head. You're doing that work, but your mind is completely distracted. But there are other times when you're doing something and you don't even realize that somebody is calling you. You don't even realize that it's time to go home. Has it ever happened? When does it happen? When we're doing our work, like an assignment, or when we're doing our readings. Is that when it happens? Or when we're busy talking away with our friends? Or when we are busy reading tweets of other people and reading what people have posted, we think, oh, just a minute. I just have a minute, I'm going to do it. And by the time you shut your phone off, you realize you've been on your phone for the past 20 minutes. Does it ever happen? Or doesn't happen with you guys? Doesn't? Or does? Okay. So, is to feel fi When you are deeply immersed, deeply engrossed in that action, you even forget about your own self. You forget about the passage of time. You forget about the people around you. But who's watching? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching. 
So what should we do then? We're like, yeah, of course. Allah is always watching us. What should be our attitude then? Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminding us of this? What's the lesson in it for us? Hmm? To be more careful. Even when we're reciting the Qur'an, even when we are studying the Qur'an, no matter where we are, what we're doing, don't think about whether a teacher or a group in charge or a mother or a sister or a friend is watching you or not. Think about the fact that Allah is watching me right now. His angels are recording how I'm sitting, what I'm writing, what I'm thinking about, what I'm looking at, what I'm daydreaming about. Allah knows. So I better be alert and attentive. So observe yourself right now. Are you in a state where, I mean, if the angels were to tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right now that this is how this person is sitting and this is what they're looking at and this is what they're doing and this is what they're writing, is that really a good image that you'd like to be you know, seen by others? Especially Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If somebody is watching us, what happens? What happens? We become extremely careful and conscious. Right? Fix our hijabs. People look into their phones to make sure their teeth are fine. There's no food stuck anywhere. Right? They make sure that their hijab is looking perfectly okay from every angle. Right? We focus so much on the physical aspect. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at us from every aspect. So fix yourself now and always. In every way. In the way you're sitting. In the way you have your things laid out. Because it's a very noble activity that you're doing right now. The study of the Qur'an. is تُفِضُونَ فِيهِ وَمَا يَعْزُبُ عَنْ And it is not hidden from your Lord. يَعْزُبُ عَيْنْ زَيْبَ عَزْب Azb is basically when something is too far. And because it is too far, you can't see it. It's out of sight. It's hidden from you. Right? If something is nearby, you can see it. But if something is way in the distance... You can't tell what it is. It's hidden from you. Allah says over here, وَمَا يَعْزُبُ عَرَّبِّكَ It is not hidden from your Lord. مِنْ مِثْقَالِ ذَرَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ Even something like مِثْقَالِ ذَرَّةٍ مِثْقَالِ weight. ذَرَّةٍ of an atom. Even something like the weight of an atom. Something so small. فِي الْأَرْضِ In the earth. وَلَا فِي السَّمَاءِ Nor in the sky. وَلَا أَصْغَرَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ and not even anything smaller than that. Is there anything smaller than the atom? Smaller than the atom? What's inside the atom? What's an atom made of? Hmm? Are there things inside it? Come on. You haven't studied science? Basic chemistry? Huh? What is it that we learn in it? About atoms. What's inside? Electrons and protons. And that's just the extent of our observation, our knowledge. Allahu A'lam. There might even be something smaller than that. Right? So Allah says over here, nothing even smaller than that, wala akbar, nor greater than that. Illa fi kitab mubin, except that it is in a clear record. So vast is His knowledge that nothing is too far, nothing is too small, nothing can hide from Him. So where can we escape? Where can we hide? Where can we take shelter? Nowhere. We're always exposed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. 
And this is something that we need to remember. And if we remember it, then we will speak right. Then we will do right. Allah says, Allah, unquestionably, inna awliya Allah, indeed the friends of Allah. Allah has friends? Allah has awliya. He has friends. Think about it. Is there any person whom you know, whom you consider to be your friend, and they're a very special person, and you feel honored to be their friend? You feel honored that they know you personally? You feel honored that they text you, and you feel honored that once in a while we also talk, and once in a while we also go out for lunch, because they're a very big person and they know me? Being a friend of someone who's great, such a big honor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who is most supreme, the one who has knowledge of everything, He honors some servants with what? With His friendship. Inna awliya Allah. Indeed the friends of Allah. La khawfun alayhim. No fear shall be upon them. Walahum yahzanun. Nor will they grieve. They will not be afraid and they will not grieve. They will not be afraid of the future and they will not grieve over what happened in the past. Why? Because they have Allah as their friend. And the one who has Allah has nothing to lose. The one who has Allah as their friend has nothing at all to fear. This friendship is the greatest source of comfort, the greatest source of relief. Now the question is, who are the awliya of Allah? Who are those people whom Allah honors with His friendship? Yes, yes. Allahu waliyul ladina amanu. Allah is the friend of who? Those people who believe. So the first thing, the first thing is what? Iman. The first characteristic, iman. And the stronger the iman, the stronger that friendship, the stronger that bond. So who are awliya Allah? Those who believe in Allah. But is that sufficient? You see, friendship is at different levels, right? One is that you just know somebody and yes, they say something nice to you and you say something nice to them. And yes, those odd times when you're in a desperate situation and they find out that they come and help you. Then there are those friends who are very close to you. Who look out for you? Who make sure you're okay? They text you if they haven't seen you. Is everything okay? I didn't see you. Hmm? They look out for you. Isn't that a greater level of friendship? So how is it that a servant can have a greater level of friendship with his Lord? How? The more a person seeks Allah, the more a person remembers Allah, the more a person reaches out to Allah, the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of him also. If you think about it, the awliya, on the highest level of awliya are who? The prophets of Allah. Right? But the prophets of Allah, what is it that they did? They always remembered Allah. They turned to Allah. They asked Him for help. When they got something, they thanked Him. If they suffered from something, they were patient for His sake. They remembered Him. Don't we learn in the hadith, remember Allah in good times and He will remember you in your hardships, in your bad times. When a person remembers Allah, 
then Allah also Allah also remembers him. When a person makes mention of Allah when he's alone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also makes mention of him when he's alone. When a person makes mention of Allah in a gathering, Allah makes mention of that person in a gathering which is far better than that gathering. Right? And what happens? When a servant loves Allah, he strives to please Him. Then what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also loves him. And when Allah loves him, he tells Jibreel to love him. And then Jibreel goes and tells all the angels, all of you angels, love this person. Because Allah loves him and I love him. Ala inna awliya Allah la khawfun alayhim walahum yahzanun. So when a person has Allah as his friend, really, why should he ever be afraid? Why should he ever feel lonely? Will he ever feel lonely? No. Even if he's suffering a lot, will he ever feel abandoned and neglected? Never. Because when is it that we feel at rest when we have people around us? Right? When our loved ones are nearby. And as soon as our loved ones are gone, they're traveling, or they have to go to their work, then what happens? We feel lonely and sad. Because we love others the way we should love Allah. And others, besides Allah, they can never be a source of comfort for us. Never. Because who are they? Imperfect beings. Imperfect and needy creatures themselves. Who cannot even look after themselves. One of the scholars, he said, that indeed in this dunya, in this world, there is a jannah. And whoever does not enter that jannah here, he will not enter that Jannah in the hereafter. What is that Jannah? What is that Jannah? Take a guess. Loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Really, loving Him. Actually loving Him with the heart. Feeling that closeness. The heart being filled with you know, gratitude for Allah. Thanks to Allah. You know, overflowing with emotion. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not other than Allah. Ala inna awliya Allah, la khawfun alayhim, walahum yahzanun. Who are they? Allah says, Alladina amanu, those who believe. Wakanu yattaqun. And they also have taqwa. They also fear Allah. In every state, they're conscious of Allah. Whether they're with their families, or they're at work, or they're alone. In every state, they are conscious of Allah. If you think about it, the Prophet ﷺ, how was he described? That he used to remember Allah fi kulli ahyani, in all of his states. In all of his states. What would he do? Remember Allah. It's amazing. That when you read this ayah, Allah in the awliya Allah la khawfun alayhim walahum yahzanun, you wonder immediately, so who are those special people? Who are those lucky people? And Allah gives us the answer immediately, Alladina Amanu wa kanu yattaqun. And the more iman a person has, the more taqwa he has, the greater his friendship is with Allah. The weaker this love, this iman and this taqwa is, the weaker that friendship. Right? So Alladina Amanu wa kanu yattaqun. Every pious, God-fearing servant is who? A friend of Allah. But obviously, 
it demands that a person, first of all, believes in Allah, follows Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهَ Allah will also love you. Right? So, أَلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ If you just reflect on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in a hadith in Bukhari, we learned that Aisha radhiallahu anha and also some other wives of the Prophet sallallahu they narrated that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would come home, after Asr, he would pray two rak'ah. Now some scholars said, is it necessary to pray two rak'ah sunnah of Asr? Or is it something that was exclusively for the Prophet ﷺ? Some said it was exclusively for him. And others said that he did that on certain days, not as a regular habit, but on certain days, when? When he would miss his sunnah of Zuhr. So after Zuhr, two rak'ah, if he ever missed it, he wouldn't just leave it completely. He would even perform it after Asr. Because there was a time, once what happened was that right after Zuhr Salah, there were some people, a delegation that had come, and they kept him busy until the time you know, for Salah was over, and he had to go do something. And by the time he was done, it was Asr. And then after Asr, he made up his two rak'ah. What does it show? How much he used to remember Allah. When it comes to the recitation of the Qur'an, how much of the Qur'an did he recite? In a hadith we learn that one of the younger companions, he was once standing with the Prophet ﷺ in the night prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ kept reciting and reciting and reciting. Surah Al-Baqarah. I mean, think about it. Surah Al-Baqarah in one rakah. Have you ever thought about it even? If you find out that a whole juz in eight rakat, oh my God. I can't do it. And a whole juz is what? Less than half of Surah Al-Baqarah. And rukur would be equally long. And sajda would be equally long. What was he doing in rukur? What was he doing in sajda? What was he doing? Remembering Allah, right? Glorifying Him. Praising Him. Thanking Him. Begging Him. Those who remember Allah are Allah's friends. Lahumul bushra. For them is good news. Fil hayatid dunya in the life of this world. Wa fil akhirah and also in the hereafter. Allah will give them good news in this life and also in the next life. La tabadila li kalimatillah. There is no changing in the words of Allah. Kalimat over here gives meaning of promise. Meaning this is a promise of Allah. Such people, they will continue to receive good news that will comfort them, that will be a source of peace for them, a source of happiness for them, no matter what turmoil they're going through in their life. لَا تَبَدِيلَ لِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمِ That is the great success. Now the question is, what good news is this? What good news does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give to His awliya? In this dunya and also in the akhirah. In this dunya, the ulama have said different things. One of them is, a true dream or a good dream. That a person he's doing something in order to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to do something in his life that will make Allah happy with him. He's striving. And then what happens? In a dream he sees something really positive. Hmm? Or somebody else has a dream about him that's really positive. You know like Imam Bukhari, he had a dream that he met the Prophet wasallam and there were flies, so he was fanning them away. And he asked different people about the interpretation of that. And he was given this interpretation that all the lies that people associate to the Prophet ﷺ, false ahadith, inshallah, 
you will remove those. And he did it. When he put his collection together of the most authentic ahadith, he did it. Right? All the lies that people ascribe to the Prophet ﷺ, you know, they were discarded. I mean, people recognized that these are false ahadith and these are sahih ahadith. So, a good dream that comforts a person that yes, inshallah, what I'm doing is good and hopefully inshallah, I'm on the right way and hopefully inshallah, Allah is happy with me. Bushra, good news in the form of dreams, in the form of good dreams that others may have about him or her. Lahumul bushra fil hayatid dunya. Another opinion of this bushra is that, you know like in hadith we learn that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a servant, He tells Jibreel to love him, right? And then Jibreel loves him and Jibreel tells all the angels up in the skies to love that individual. And in the earth what happens also? Love for that person is spread. Love for that person is spread. So people have love for this individual, even though they don't know him, they haven't seen him, they haven't met him. And hasn't it happened that there are many people in this world whom you've never met? You've never met, but you just have this love for them. Because of what they do, because of how they've benefited you, even through one quote, even through one you know, little thing. Like think about it, Imam Bukhari, we mention him with you know, so much happiness. We talk about him and we are inspired by him. Which of you has met him? I mean, how many of us are from his uh, children? <laughs> it is said that he didn't even have children. There is a dispute about that, but majority of the scholars say because he never got married, he didn't have children. So, I mean, are we related to him through blood or anything? But we love him. Isn't it? We look up to him. So this is also a form of good news. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He spreads qabul for that person amongst the people of the earth. That the people of the earth, they accept him, they look up to him, they support him, they have love for him. This is also a form of bushra. Another form of bushra is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. Allah's help. You know, in little, little things that a person does. His help, his support, which becomes very evident. That literally a person realizes that Allah saved me from this trouble. Alhamdulillah, this didn't happen. Allah saved me from this. Alhamdulillah, I came here even though I really didn't want to because, you know, this khair happened. Right? So Allah's help and support in little, little things in life. So life is not empty of blessings. Rather, a person can feel and experience Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. لَهُمُ الْبُشْرَى فِي الْحَيَاةِ dunya, And also bushra in another form. In the form of the reward that is promised for certain good deeds. Right? And this reward we learn about in the Qur'an, we learn about in the sunnah. So, like for example, a person could be doing something good for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're like, you know, I really think that this is important, I should do this to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they don't really know about the many great virtues of it. But then they learn that this is a very, very virtuous act. So what happens? It's like as if somebody gave you a medal. Right? That you've been doing all of this right. All along, you've been doing it right. Like for example, a person gives a lot of importance to their parents. Hmm? Meaning they respect them, they love them. Their father, they're very concerned about what their father likes, what he dislikes. They pay attention. 
And they do it, why? Simply out of goodwill and out of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, Allah, you gave me such good parents, I also want to take care of them. They don't know about all of those ahadith that tell us about the rewards of looking after your parents and ihsan bil walidain. They don't know about all that. Now once they do come to know about the virtues, what would their feelings be like? Like, wow, really? I've been doing it right? لَهُمُ الْبُشْرَى فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ So, bushra in this life and also bushra in the akhirah. What's the good news in the hereafter? Hereafter begins from when? From the time of death. It begins from the time of death. And there, in the Qur'an we learn that there are people who are tayyibin, who live their lives as tayyibin, good, clean people, what happens? The angels come to take them and those angels are also very beautiful. Right? They give good news to a person even before they take his soul out. Right? They tell him, Oh good soul, in a good body, come out to the pleasure of your Lord. Come out, let's go. You know, you've had enough of this world. Come on, let's go now. And then the soul comes out of the body as easily as water coming out of a, pouring out of a pitcher. So easily it flows out of the body. And it barely comes out that they immediately take the soul and wrap it in fragrance and in and the shroud of Jannah. And there's so much you know encouragement and good words and friendly behavior. And then the angels they take the soul up because when the soul is extracted from the body, it's taken up into the heavens. Right? There's a journey up to the heavens. And what happens? As the soul is taken to each heaven. The angels of that sama, they say, Welcome, O good soul. You were good. O good soul who inhabited a good body. O good soul who inhabited a good body. Come, welcome. They ask about that person. They congratulate him. They welcome him. And on the other hand, if a person is not living that kind of life, meaning he's not friends with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what kind of angels come to take his soul? Angels that are very horrific in their appearance, scary, who are very harsh. The first things they say to that person is, come out to the punishment, and a painful punishment and torture that will never end. Come out, O evil soul, wicked soul, who inhabited a, a wicked body. And the soul doesn't want to come out, so they pull it out, they extract it out. How? Do you know how? Like a thorny twig, like a thorny branch that is stuck in wet wool. Have you ever had your hijab? Or rather, have you ever had lots of pins gotten stuck in your hijab? Has it ever happened? And you try to pull the pin out, but it's not coming. So what do you do? You just yank it out. And in that process, what happens to your beautiful hijab? It gets ripped. Right? So imagine a thorny branch being stuck in what? wet wool and you pull it out, what's going to happen to that wool? Khalas. It's torn, it's shredded. And that's exactly what happens to such a soul. But awliya Allah, lahumul bushra, fil hayatid dunya, wa fil akhirah. And this good news for them is never going to end. In the grave, there is good news. When a person is tested and he passes the test, a window to Jannah is open basically. Right? From where he receives the fragrance and the wind of Jannah, the breeze of Jannah. The reward, it begins from there onwards. 
And so he wants the day of judgment to come immediately. The person he says, Oh Allah, cause the day of judgment to happen right away so I can go to Jannah. Bushra, good news has been given. Lahumul Bushra fil Hayat dunya When people will enter Jannah, good news at that time. In Jannah, good news at that time also. In Surah Tawbah, Ayah 21, يُبَشِّرُهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِرَحْمَةٍ مِّنْهُ وَرِضْوَانٍ وَجَنَّاتٍ لَهُمْ فِيهَا نَعِيمٌ مُقِيمٌ We also learn in the Qur'an, أَلَّذِينَ تَتَوَفَّاهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ الطَّيِّبِينَ يَقُولُونَ السَّلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ أُدْخُلُوا الْجَنَّةِ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ and in the hereafter, Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 103, we learn, The Faza'ul Akbar. What is Faza'ul Akbar? The greatest terror. The greatest terror is the Day of Judgment. What do we learn in this ayah? In Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 103, that It will not grieve them. On the Day of Judgment, they will not be panicking. They won't be terrified. Like in the hadith we learn that there will be seven kinds of people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide shade. Where? Where? Under his arsh. Under his arsh. Imagine. Provided shade. There will be people who will be on pulpits of light. Imagine on huge seats, high, elevated, that are glowing. There will be people who will be honored with crowns on the day of judgment. This is all good news. This is just the beginning. There's more to come in Jannah. لَهُمُ الْبُشْرَ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ لَا تَبَدِيلَ لِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمِ So if we want to receive this good news, if we want this greatest comfort, what do we need to do then? Be friends with Allah. And we cannot be friends with someone if we don't remember them if we don't know them, if we don't spend time with them. How is it that we spend time with Allah? How can we do that? In which way? Hmm? In which way can we do that? If your friend says, come spend time with me, let's hang out. What are you going to do? Okay, you stay in your room, I'll stay in my room, and we'll just hang out. Is that sufficient? What do you do? You talk. Right? You talk either on a phone or through text messages or through anything. You talk. That's one of the first things. So talk to Allah more and more in the form of dua, in the form of dhikr, in the form of recitation of the Qur'an, in the form of salah. Let's listen to the recitation. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ فَجَعَلْتُمْ فَجَعَلْتُمْ مِنْهُ حَرَامًا وَحَلَالًا قُلْ آللَّهُ أَذِنَ لَكُمْ أَمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ تَفْتَرُونَ وَمَا ظَنُّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَذُو فَضْلٍ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَشْكُرُونَ 
وَمَا تَكُونُ فِي شَأْنٍ وَمَا تَتْلُو مِنْهُ مِنْ قُرْآنٍ وَلَا تَعْمَلُونَ مِنْ عَمَلٍ إِلَّا كُنَّا عَلَيْكُمْ شُهُودًا إِذْ تُفِيضُونَ فِيهِ وَمَا يَعْزُبُ عَنْ رَبِّكَ مِنْ مثقال ذرة في الأرض ولا في السماء ولا أصغر ولا أصغر من ذلك ولا أكبر إلا في كتاب مبين ألا الذين آمنوا وكانوا يتقون لهم البشرى في الحياة الدنيا وفي الآخرة لا تبديل لكلمات الله ذلك هو الفوز العظيم 